Okay, welcome again to Catalogs and Noise. Today we are going to talk about the, I guess, final trade paperback of The Goon. It is called Once Upon a Hard Time. My name is Joe. I'm here with George. And I'm Paul. So as far as I understand it, this is going to be it of The Goon proper. We're going to do another podcast, of course, where we do our kind of overview. That's a kind of Catalogs and Noise tradition. But the... Um, I, I don't know, right? Are you getting a definitive feel of the end here? Well, this whole arc is done. Zombies, zombie priest, his arch nemesis, everything's cleaned up, right? Well... And he's on the road. I think it is. I think it's conclusion. I, I see lots of room for different possibilities of Frankie Goon traveling around doing stuff, but this... We've already seen that begun yeah. in, in, in the, two... Uh, I think what's fair to say is that Lonely Street is done. Yes, yeah, exactly. I think that's right. 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 Curse is broken... We're moving on. Everything's done. Right. Yeah. So, Goon is free to wander. It's fair to say that the Goon as we know it, that we're reading the final installments. Anything yeah. else is going to be attached to that world, but not uh, specifically this kind of thing. And I think that's probably the right move at this point. Yeah, the story has, has come to its its full circle. So, I mean, when I, when I reread this, you know, just a couple of days ago, I was thinking like, all right, let's say we'd still go on with Lonely Street. How does that go? What story is there to it's be basically told? basically just uh, a mobster, you know. Uh, yeah. Again, there's no real big... Th- there's nothing to do plot-wise, right? I mean, so, I don't know, maybe... I don't know that... You could. I mean, you know, like, for instance, they never resolve the woman, you know, the reason behind Horse Eater Wood, right? You could, you know, develop a character or a spirit or something like that that involved that character if you wanted to... Yeah. You know, Goon sort of going deeper to, to resolve the curse. It's discussed, but it's kind of played out as a, a general kind right. of sense of of what that is. It's yeah, the whole curse has kind of lost its power now. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I mean, ultimately, I think this is successful. I like it. But I don't think it is the greatest thing, you know, of the Goon, right? I, I mean, I think the... Um, the last major story arc where the goon, you know, defeats, um, who do you defeat? <laughs> uh, you know, when... I can't help you, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting lost. Where, like, you know, it's a big confrontation in the street, and, um... Oh, it was Labrazo. You know, Labrazo, right, exactly. The Labrazo right. story yeah, and all that. that was very strong. Right. That seems to be better than this. If you're going to do, this is kind of a retread, just with new interesting characters, but that's all you, it seems that we could do going on, is just get another batch of interesting characters, right. and have the same and kind of like structural right, yet again, confrontation, you know what I mean? So I think it's, act, but I, I don't want to slag off on this, I think this is great, but yeah. um, I just don't know that there's much more possibility in it. The, Unless you could do like a flashback type thing, like a Chinatown again, or something of that nature, yeah. you know. Yeah, I guess fill in the gaps. Self-contained. But, um... Yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I kept waiting for something, like, really, like, mind-blowing and this new. Is, um, and I never really got it. This is it. kind of wrap-up, you know? It's wrap-up. It's, it's but, doing the work, tying up loose ends. So I, I wasn't planning to go this far ahead, but let's go I, all the way to the end of, you know, the fourth chapter here. I never felt like I really got a sense that the win was kind of merited. You know what I mean? Like, like what... Yes. You have that thing about love, you know, oh, it's love that is corrupted, that is the key to all of this, you know, mm-hmm. that um, that's the kind of most potent kind of evil, and you have to defeat that. But it all came on, I feel like, a little too quick, and I didn't really get the kind of uh, 
mythology that fleshed out completely that it was satisfying to me, you know? And, and along with that, I never really got a full sense of like the power of these enemies. You know, we heard for, for issues and issues mm -hmm. that this is the most, you know, incredible power and the goon could right. never There's defeat no way him. You know, so they, they can't even fight on your own plane. They're mist and but these, smoke and they know your thoughts before you're right. thinking them, you know. And so... I mean, They're dispatched with pretty easily. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It, it all just seems like... It's underwhelming, like, right? It, it seems like the goon showing up and beating up Elgarto again or something like that. Right. You know, so what is it? I was trying to play with it. I mean, is it the idea that you know, you also have the thing that the goon never killed, you know, Kid Gargantuan, and that maintains his kind of sense of human decency, and that was the thing that they were underestimating. Well, they were counting on that, yeah. But I don't know, I feel like I have to really dig to get that. Not that I'm, I want it spelled out in an obvious way, but I don't, there was just something that was not getting me up to a 10 out of 10 in terms mm -hmm. of being satisfying. I think it's missing carnage. Right? There should have been more death. There should have been more destruction. If these beings are really that powerful, people associated with the goon near to him, that they should have been more sacrificed. You mean on the goon side? I felt that too. Side, right? In Chinatown, no we felt that. Right? I mean, his no. face, of course, is mangled permanently. Yeah. He loses his woman, who has to who lost her finger. Um, in the Labrazo series, right? Uh, who gets shot by Labrazo? He kills. Well, he he shoots one of the kids, who ultimately winds up maimed. But then he also kills, oh, um, the brother the of the, the gypsy. Oh, oh, the right, gypsy yeah. brother, He yeah. buys it. You know, we kind of were just learning to like him. Like he's bringing cupcakes to the kids and suddenly, you know, playing with them in the street and suddenly he's gone. You know, we never got that sense that like people associated with the goon were getting picked off. So let me ask you this. If Frankie dies. That's what I'm talking about. That's too big. What about Willie Nagel? <laughs> well, maybe, but I, I'm, I don't know. I, I was really thinking about. If you sacrifice Frankie, this would be a really, right, really well, heavy, be powerful, book. yeah. And, and now the goon and goes that really off. Really wraps it up. Then. And now the goon goes off on his own, and he has to find a new band or something like that. You know, oh, that'd be really neat. And, and look, I don't want to rewrite like you know, <laughs> <laughs> fan fiction here. Yeah, but I, I think I agree with you, George. I think that there there wasn't the big moment that I was really expecting. You know. Even if you, know, if you done, did like a James Joyce thing where like in the, the last you parade in all the characters you had before and you sacrifice them. Do something. You know, I'm not saying like Joyce does that. But, you know, like in the final chapter of of uh, Ulysses, I guess I sort of the, the rehash, everyone's name comes up again. You know, if Fishy Pete got, you know, bumped off and, and his, his mother, right, something like that. You know, then we start to feel like, oh, wow, this guy's like really like really taking over Lonely Street. Like he's not, he's, he's they're serious. You know, they're in for everybody. Yeah. Um, you know, or, or bring Alloy back from prison and do, you know, hideous things to him, right? And sort of, you know, make him work for you. I don't know, right? But something that, that shows you their power and their um, the influence. Yeah. Now, you're articulating exactly what I'm getting at, though. This, yeah, the sense that, like, I never got a real sense of the stakes, and I don't think that it was satisfied, you know... What if Norton Completely. died? What if, what if Norton was killed? Norton, that might be a good a good compromise or something. Right. But somebody had to go that was closer, I think. Right. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, that, that panel towards the end where you see, like, you know, the goon and Frankie leaving and you get a sense of, like, everyone that he's leaving behind, mm -hmm. you yeah, know. They, do, they actually do lay them out like that. They're all pretty yeah. much lined up. Spider right. and... But they're all safe. Spider. They're but yeah. Other than losing a mud brother. Right. You know, you got Spider bandaged up. Okay, so, you know, he even he recovered, right? That but, was Goon himself did the damage Right, spider, exactly, and, you, know. you know. You could have taken away three of those dudes and, and made some kind of real stakes, right. I think. And it's not like you're... 
we're probably never going to see these characters again because we're off of Lonely Street, so it's not like you're saving them for something. I don't know. I'm just trying to get in the uh, I didn't know. Psychology. I think where Goon starts in this issue, though, he's already at the bottom. There's nothing else can be taken from him, you know? Maybe nothing's going to change. He's got to come in and kill everything, do what he has to do. He doesn't give a shit anymore. What if this, though? What if, in order for the Goon to win, he has to knowingly sacrifice, like, one of these kids... You know what I mean? I mean? He was there already. Yeah, he's he's there. Right? And and we I mean we get a sense of like the darkness of the goon, I think more palatably than than um Yeah, it comes out very clearly. When he breaks, you know, Spider's leg, something like that. Right. But what if we take that another step? You know, what if it really comes down to some like like hard sacrifice he has to make? Something like that. I don't know. I'm with you. Yeah, I and I'm not saying this is bad. It's just... I give it a B. It missed the A. It missed the A. Maybe it's, a B plus. It's, right. it's very good, but it's not excellent. Right. Chinatown, excellent. Right. Brazio, excellent. Other arcs that were really this, solid. Eh, it's very good. Yeah. You know, it left me wanting a little bit more. But And maybe that's purposeful in his part, so that you continue reading Goon, right? Well, you, that's not a bad idea. I mean, certainly I'm waiting with bated breath for Words of Misery. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> and and if, if Theater Bazaar is any indication of what Words of Misery is going to be, it might be better than The Goon. I love Theater Bazaar, but we'll talk about that. And, and to a point Paul made earlier, you know, because maybe it doesn't have to be one-dimensional. It doesn't always have to be about The Goon. You could tell different kinds of stories from different aspects. It gives you more to do with as, a, as an author. Yeah. You know, this arc, though, is done. Mm-hmm. We've seen everything that Yeah, it's basically possibly, played out. Right, really happened is, to The Goon. Know? I mean, the only other payoff we didn't get is Goon's son. Right. So, I have some ideas on that, though. Okay. Let's wait till we get to Colonel Nosferatu. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. All right. And there is something yes. a little open-ended with this arc still. Like, who picks up the skin hat? Oh, that's true. I didn't... I was oh, wondering. right. Somebody that's picks right. up, you have no idea who that is. You see a hand taking it. So I wrote down that be, question. I don't know. I don't... I, I couldn't figure it out. Yeah, I was trying... Because there's clear, like, um... Uh, is it one of the kids? Well, I don't know. It looks like there's little feet by the skin hat. But they don't show anybody with it. So yeah, I was I was trying to see is it so if you go to the next page, right, where you see the lineup of the kids, I thought it might be specs or something. Right. Um there none of them are wearing a jacket like that. None of them have those oh, kinds of true. sleeves. Yeah. It's somebody else, but the clothing's very distinctive. Right. We know it's not dog because he's missing a leg, so Oh uh, yes, at this point he's missing a leg, but he does grow up back eventually. He does grow up back eventually. <laughs> Much to their surprise, right? The, <laughs> Which I like a lot. What are they, the Hellions? No, they call, what are they called? I always forget their names. The, the Unholy Bastards. The Unholy Bastards. Okay. So I was wondering about that. I mean, does that connect into something, you know, that's coming later, that's interesting? You know, maybe we're going to see Skinhead reappear. I don't know. I don't know. His whole race is gone now. The power is gone for the place. Maybe it's just a... Souvenir? Could it yeah. be Roscoe? Because, I mean, if I'm looking on that page, where this, the next page where Skinhead gets picked up, there's the kid in the trunk, which they don't address either. Is he wearing that outfit? Maybe. And then the, the little striped shirt kid says, "Say, where did Roscoe go?" I thought Roscoe went. In the, I thought Roscoe was the one in the trunk who went with him. Because isn't he the one who's in the? Yeah, Roscoe's in the trunk. Theater bizarre. He's, exactly. He's with oh, them, okay. Traveling. So and Roscoe doesn't wear shoes. So, oh, okay. So then it's not Roscoe. No, it's so not. A lot of questions then. Yeah. No, I was wondering the same thing. I was doing all kinds of, you know, so, games with it. it Roscoe's dog, something right? just he's, in he's case. The, he's dog. He's dog. He's dog. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you're right. And he doesn't wear that jacket either. So he's, no. he looks completely different. Yeah, I don't know. But I, I like I like this kind of open-ended mystery. Yeah. You know? And I'll tell you, Pal usually does bring it back around and, and do something with it, right? I don't think there's that much that was, 
left on the table, right? No, I mean, this is his son, right? Who's got the priest hat? The you know, woman I, from Horse Eater Woods. I feel uh, a little disappointed that um, the gypsy wife of Norton didn't play more of a role in what was happening. You know, her brother's killed. Norton's mother's killed in all this business, mm. and yet you know she's. We get the sense that very yeah. powerful. But other than advise Goon a little bit, and like she tries to empathize with him. <laughs> Very minimal stuff. It's yeah, not drinking, kinda, just drink some tea instead of whiskey. Right, you know, it's kind of a... Like, she could have given her a lot more her? guidance. Like, I feel like, yeah, yeah she, she could have had a more prominent role. Well, I, I think that might be the case of all the kind of secondary characters. You know, when we had when we finished the Labrazio arc, it was all about, like, the misfits are getting together, we're a team, and that's going to solve the problem. Now that you have a more potent enemy, you know, that's being talked up as such anyway... It seems to be all Goon. Goon's doing it on his own. Yeah. You know? Clearly he owns this whole first first part, if, the, if you're looking at it, four parts. I mean, here. like, when you read her little final conversation with him, right, because it, before um, Claws, what do we call him? It's not really. Uh, Longfingers. Longfingers shows up, right? She she says to him, right, uh, your generosity and your heart are not a weakness. And this ultimately is what, right, he spares Kid Gargantuan, Kid Gargantuan plays this very critical was, uh, role in sparing Goon. What so, saved everything, yeah. Right. So, but it's really kind of subtly played. Whereas, mm-hmm. she was, yeah. you know, you have this really strong female character you could have done a lot of excellent things with. Yeah. So, so why is that? I, I think, I think, we're, I think the, the key to the goon battling the, the magpies is that it and has really to be him. just goon. It's the, and know, not it's even Frankie. Him that, yeah. Frankie's pretty, back. pretty impotent yeah. throughout this whole thing. Right? It, it's got to be... can't even connect with Goon throughout this whole... No. Right. He right. doesn't know where he's at. Right. He's like, he doesn't know how to time. react to what he's doing. When the Goon starts picking off them individually, you get a sense that, um, you know, only he can do this. Right. You know, that, you know, he gets information, you know, he gets a little help from Zombie Priest, you know, with a missed one, something like that. But it's got to be him. He goes off on his own to do these things. And I, I mean, I guess I'm finding that a little inconsistent because... There's well, so this much is more the powerful. biggest battle he's going to face. Right. You need right. everybody on board. Right. But maybe it's because, you know, th- this storyline, th- these four chapters are after his heartbreak mm-hmm. with the, the last love thing. And maybe that has just increased his power so much that that's how we're supposed to see it. Well, you do see it. I mean, Priest, Priest and Frankie both talk about, like, you know, I'm going to find where I wrote that, but one of them... One of them believes, I think Priest believes that, um, well, Frankie says they just basically turned him into a killing machine, and he's going to come through on this. But he's somewhat wrong, right? I mean, from what we know about Kid Gargantuan not dying, right? I mean, Frankie says that the uh, the witches made him into a monster, and they got to deal with the consequences, which is going to hurt them. Priest says they've destroyed him and, and, uh, you know, broke his heart. He's part of the place. And then they say, we'll see how this plays out. Yeah. We'll see who's right. So I guess I'm saying, I only think that's true to a certain extent. If that was the case, he couldn't have won. That's what that final confrontation is about. Where, you know, um, the, the Arab says, oh, I have you. You've already been beaten. The right. second right. you pulled the trigger and killed Gargantuan, all of your humanity was, was lost. But the only thing, what I'm reading from this is the thing that actually makes him... More powerful is that he retained that humanity. Right. He, yeah. No, I'm saying he overcame too. it. So zombie. But, but I think Frankie wrong. understands that as well. You know, zombie priest is is 
clearly thinking the same way Arab is in this. Like, you know, he's, yes. he's broken, right. he's gone, he's just, you know, all goodness is out of him. Because they're, they're made of such concentrated evil that they can't really even understand humanity right. anymore. I suspect Frankie knows what happened to Kid Gargantuan. He's not really dead, you know. Oh, maybe. I don't know if we have evidence for that. No, they, no but, you know, they... they that, I think that would affect their partnership if, if Frankie thought... Goon just blew him away over this thing, you know. So Especially way, when he'd been played by the same same harpy that uh, played the goon, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. By the way, I thought that uh, Goon actually shoots Kid Gargantua. I meant to go back I to I know, him. they play you that way, right? You, I really... think you just see a big bam. You, you don't see right, anything. You, oh. you don't see it, but you see the bird turning its head, right? I but didn't he, go back and look. No, I forgot to. Oh, but but you, you see him holding the gun at Kid Gargantua, you see him, and then, then you get a bam. So that could be the knocking of his head, which is what he claims right. to have done. I don't think you get a bam. I think that was the, that's the suggestion, right? I'm, if I'm only we had, to, George is grabbing right, The goon in occasion if of only revenge. somebody came prepared for that. <laughs> <laughs> it helps when you do it at my house. But um, then it makes me prepared. It makes me look good. All right, see? He's holding the gun to the head. You really do see it, yeah. And then that you see like the bird just turn an assassination. Head, right? yeah. Almost like oh, the, suge- no the suggestion yeah. of a noise made a bird look, right? Right. And um, we're on. I'm, I'm for the the listener. I'm on page eighty four of Occasion of Revenge. Yeah, and you see, so you see the goon's eyes. You see the hand with the gun shaking, and you see the bloodied hand. But that could that's yeah. from but that's the clearly smash. from the right the pistol whip that he gave okay. him. As and he's saying to, no, 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 which you interpret as oh, I've done this horrible thing, but it's really I like no, it. I can't do this thing. Right. I love that panel, though, with the silhouettes, with uh, Kid Gargantuan, I guess, sitting down and the goon standing up with the gun. This is a record cover, by the way. This is a seated jacket, right? That's what this is. But the shadow is like the red, like it's like blood. Man, that's great. That's really great. But all right, so I like it. I mean, I don't think it's like, uh, you know, a cop out that Kid Gargantuan shows up because I think it's it's purposeful. You need a twist like that. Yeah, that's all purposeful because it's thematically necessary to unlock... Well, this goes back to a point you've been making throughout the entire arc, that Powell is really sensitive about when he gives you a little bit of a story and then when he doesn't tell you part of the story, mm-hmm. saving it for later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? His ability right. to develop a story is really excellent. And that, that part of this works really well. Yeah. Right? We assume Kikorietua is dead, but then he shows up again. And it's a surprise for us. Yeah. No, I, I'm liking that aspect of the end. You know, like the dynamics of how the goon is able to to kind of like grow and deal with the evil that's before him and what the city the the city the town is all about and all that i think that's all handled very well it's it's that sacrifice component i think george nailed it you know that there mm-hmm. wasn't i didn't i didn't feel enough sacrifice wait, wait, to, where, where's, to right. get to that place where's yeah. the carnage yeah where are the bodies all right let's go back that's so, the beginning right <laughs> let's go to the beginning the beginning of the end and uh, maybe uh, some of uh, this movement through will elucidate some of these ideas that I think so. I'm feeling way better. I think it opened up a little more of the Moreau for me too. We Can we take a second? Isn't it wonderful the to humanity. sit around and talk through these issues <laughs> and do you want to Dialogue. pat each other on the back? Uh, right? you, know, <laughs> you know, I think we're uh, we're heroic in our uh, <clears throat> evaluation of the game. Um Okay, so this first story is basically just kind of setting up the goons state of of unease and unhappiness right um and just kind of the various people it's affecting so he goes in he he kills the um 
What are we calling those uh, bird creatures? The harpies. The harpies. Oh, wait, what do you make of the, um, on page seven, the boys and girls, this is a center <laughs> Yeah. Right? Like, it's just introducing that, uh, you to... Uh, just gets you right in there. Right. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, his satirical kind of way, though. And it, I like his humor. When you think about where that center block is going to end up. Right. Through the window. Yeah. Um, yeah, but right, we're calling them harpies? Yeah, kills the harpies, goes on to um, have confrontation with Spider, we get a little zombie priest... And then, you know, battles the, the mist and all that. That's There's not much of a kind of complete arc in this, but I think it's He does a lot of drinking, too. He's pretty, he pretty much... Yeah, that, the battle, on, on the bottom of 10, totally all the bottles lined up on the bar. By the way, in, as he's literally sitting almost on top of the corpses of... Um, what was her name? Madame... Elsa? Yeah, Madame... And, and her, her henchman there, right? I mean, he's literally yeah, just shot them yeah. dead. He's now killed he's, everybody. Right, he's yeah, sitting he's in their burlesque club. a couple drinks. Right. Uh, more than a this couple drinks. This is to show how, like, how far down he's gone. You know, he's pretty oh, yeah. brave at this point. It's depravity, right. I mean, the next scene, he's going to snap Spider's it, leg, which yeah, is harsh. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, by the way, all right, let's go back to that gun by You know, if Spider had listened to his wife and gone home and been responsible, he wouldn't have gotten his legs broken. I just want to point that out. Spider's you know. clearly... Spider, yeah. right? <laughs> but, so, uh, I was going to talk about my list of favorite characters and all that. And Spider's one of them, is No, it? I've also made a list of, like, least successful characters. Spider makes that list for me. <laughs> yeah. You felt like he could have been played up more? Well, well, you can talk about that next time. It's just okay. a little tease right. Right. Uh, for my uh, obsessive list-making. The gun. So the gun, yeah. Gu- Goon usually does not use a gun, right? He's right? A, he, a hammer or axe. He's got axe. Of preference. Yeah. Blunted objects. The yeah. block took out. You know. And so, by the way, I was just reading um, a pal interview about uh, Hillbilly, and he says in it that one one of the original. I'm probably messing this up completely, but one of the original concepts for Hillbilly was that he had a shotgun or something like that, and then he said, "Nah, I won't." You know. I want to do something else, something more creative, and he gets this big axe. It's the devil's uh, cleaver. It's amazing. Okay. It's the best weapon of all time. And he um, and he says in it that well, it, once somebody has a gun, you know that, that's it. How can how can a sword or something beat a gun? But this goes against that very concept. And that one of the reasons I was like the goon is because he didn't have a gun. Because guns are too easy, right. I think. So I don't know why this needs to show up here. You know. Um, that might be a little too easy, but does well, that does it reflect the state absolutely. of mind? Well, maybe? it may, oh, like it, it's a kind of like guns demonstrate a kind of nihilism. You know what I mean? I think this is again just showing how far down Goon has come. He doesn't give a shit. He's going to do whatever. I'm going to give a different interpretation of the gun. Well, right. I think he's, I, yeah, so. Ahead. So if I have an axe or I have something that the Goon traditionally has, there's a sense of combat in it. There's a sense of skill. It's maybe more noble in a sense, right? Mm-hmm. Guns are. You know, I don't know, just too easy, too brutal. Is that your point? I think I... Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to give an alternate take, and I'm basing this on uh, in the movie The Professional, mm-hmm. when uh, Leon is advising Matilda, right, on the weapons. They start with a high-power rifle with a scope on it. And what he explains to her is, you know, he basically uses the knife to kill, right, because he's that skilled assassin. But I think the explanation is there's an intimacy. The, the, the yeah, more yeah, yeah. primitive the weapon, the more intimate the killing becomes, to the point where you're getting closer and closer to the person... You know, a knife requires you to literally be on top of them. You smell them. You feel them, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the gun is his way of saying to Madame Elsa, I don't care about you. You're worthless. I'm not even going to take the time to brutalize you with an axe or a center block. Absolutely. Right? The harpy got the center block. I'm going to be around on top of her killing her. You, I'm just going to, like, literally pass over and be done with you. All right. Because I'm, you mean nothing to me. I'm with you on all that. I love that. But how do you make sense of zombie priest demise? 
Yeah, that he, <laughs> that's just that's just a, a shot. In that was head. a coda. It was like just. I took that as a mercy kind of wrapped up. Right. He literally done. He's, you know? Yeah, this, we're closed. I'm just gonna yeah. like, make a quick and clear. Not right. Be Not done. gonna stretch this out. No, but I, I'm gonna. I'm what gonna did say, you think was I gonna think, happen? Boom. You're I think right. George's explanation though works with that too. Right. That like even though, zombie priest has been like the the person that's been in battle the longest. Well, he did right. there. I mean, intently for for years. Right. Know, they were they were priest, right. I mean, they the were worst of enemies. About as close as you would come. Right. But he's at the point where he's like, this doesn't matter anymore. At that point. At that point, I'm over it. Right. I think that might be an interesting commentary on how that relationship has... Right, this needs to be done. So let me just right. finish it really quickly right here. And Zombie Priest has always been the one that can weasel out of it or can strike a deal. Right. And you can't even right. give a chance. Can't it? Right. Yeah. right. <laughs> it, it's the opposite of the old James Bond, you know, we're going to dangle you in front of alligators <laughs> rather than shoot you in the head. This is just... This it, clean it's over. Gets rid of it, you know? I've, I've used you for all you can be in this world and now it's done. Right. Your time has come. Yeah. Which is probably healthy. For the from, goon, at least. From is. the goon and from a Lonely Street point of yeah. view. Could you imagine goon at like a, a AA meeting? Like, <laughs> Hi, my name is the goon. Hi, goon. I think uh, we need a one-off of uh, <laughs> the goon's recovery, maybe. I think, you know, from the Powell point of view, who else might be sitting in the circle with him? Yeah. Right? That would actually be kind of interesting. Yeah. So, I like these scenes of um, Frankie and Zombie Priest in the bar. I think they're pretty good. Couple things on. Pal has gone out of his way to make Frankie look like just haggard, haggard right? Man. Totally oh, drawn. And, but Zombie Priest too. They they all at the end of their ropes right here. Yeah, I mean, but you but really yeah, get Frankie a sense looks of like that. he's he's just shot. He's just destroyed. Yeah, Frankie has like he he's at his wits end. He has nothing to offer anymore. You know, uh, on the top of fifteen, him like holding his face. You know that I don't right. think we've ever seen Frankie like that. He's you know, truly distressed. It's really effective. And also in 15, I really like this little speech he gives to Zombie Priest. You think tearing him uh, down and messing with his mind is going to stop him? That guy's whole life belongs to one of them strain, uh, stage plays of comedy and tragedy. Mm-hmm. Which I think is, is very interesting as a commentary on the character of the goon, but also is a great commentary on the nature of the comic series. Right. Right? I mean, we, we've always talked about Pal doing something a little more uh, sophisticated than just, you know, sure. you know, dick jokes and, <laughs> you know, silly nonsense. Uh, I, I really think that this whole series, taken together, is traditionally the kind of, like, Aristotelian comedy right, tragic, tragedy right. movie, you know? But isn't it also interesting that it's Frankie who makes that comment, right? It's the right. sidekick who's generally exactly. the... Uh, right the joke element and the one whose beer gets shit in and uh, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> I turned in the beer. <laughs> or you, you catch a mid-joke or, you, you, right. or just on the punchline. By the way, does this, does this, um, any lightheartedness, any jokes in this? I don't, I don't think there's anything. Um, yeah, not very much at all. I can't think of any. Um, I mean, in that way, it's very much like the uh, Chinatown, Chinatown, right? right where right. Chinatown just, opens with, you know, this is not funny. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like there's a return to that. Because even the Labrazio arc, I think, did have some levity in it. But we have nothing Yeah, I don't think this. there's any, any relief, right? Just yeah. Plots on through. But, I, I mean, I love that. I think that's great. Yeah, it keeps, sustains the mood through here. Yeah. I had a question about the next page, 16. You get um, Goon on the phone with um, Rigotti, you know, about the sun. Right, telling And him. that's all right. picked up from the last, you know, couple episodes. And he says, the, the big threat is, I'm going to wear your flesh like a suit. Yeah, it's interesting. And I thought that was interesting. I'm going to skin you alive and wear your flesh because that is very um, 
smart considering what we're going to get the story of the the, the flesh right. the zombie priest. Yeah, absolutely right. leads right? right into that. Yeah. And what I took from that is that it's a little bit of a nod that the goon has kind of gone over to that side, right? It, it's a it's a kind of storytelling element that lets us kind of feel the uh, inhumanity, the depravity of him in that moment, mm-hmm. that he is at least threatening to do the very thing that zombie priest does, right, the greatest be, evil. Like, be like the priest. Right? It just touches like that, that I think are... Uh, and then the breakdown on the bottom, great. 17, when you look to the next page after he has this conversation oh, with Frank, yeah. right? I love how the um, the artwork seems to kind of like streak at the bottom, right. and it almost looks yeah, like tears, but away. isn't, and they're kind of continuations of the scars and wrinkles on his face. It's It all blends together. It's so smart. To create a mood. Yeah. Um, I think Willie Nagel is amazing in this, like always. Willie, Ma- Willie Nagel's a great character. Um, he's in the top yeah, five. He, yeah, he's in the top five. He's, he's my top five. I, yeah. Is he your number one, Paul? I love Willie, yeah. Yeah. I, so if you had to choose between Willie Nagel and uh, Joey the Ball. <laughs> Joey the Ball is a jacket. He's got panache, he's, though. He's, he's got panache, that's about it. We'll come back to that conversation another time. <laughs> um, I, I really, I like the whole sequence with the mist and, you know, the mythology that goes behind yeah. it, you know. Not only, you know... Um, the goat's heart and how that kind of brings you to find all that. That's part of the zombie priest mythology. It seems that the goon with his acid is creating his own kind of take on, you know, Alchemy mythology. And, right, you, chemistry, you know what right. I mean? Mm-hmm. Yes. He's, um, again, it's more evidence that he's like so embedded in this world mm-hmm. that, that he, he understands it so well that he can defeat it. And that's well, kind he, of a necessary component. He's finding each of their weaknesses and exploiting that, right? right. That's what I'm doing. Keep but in order probing. to do that, you have to have intimate knowledge. Absolutely. You know, I, I always go back to the old, it's the old Western trope of mm-hmm. your hero is the guy that lives in between these worlds. You know, the goon has to, can only be the savior if he can understand the evil around him. Like, like you know, if Clint Eastwood has to understand what a desperado is in order to no, defeat him. It's and a, he's got the priest of, who is of that world. It's the Shirley and the Corsawa film. Right, yeah. sort of, exactly. I'm, I'm a, kind of a lawless man, but I'm kind of doing the right thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the goon through and through. By the way, I, I do like that that Willie, the flesh-eating zombie, is repulsed when he has to hold the goat heart. I know, it's a little <laughs> bizarre, right? Like, it's oh, like, wait, what are you doing there, right? <laughs> you just get a little ooh. <laughs> and the whole thing where the goon is going to uh, drink the acid, it's a strange take, yeah. you know? I mean, I like how it's set up earlier with well, the whiskey. Well, you see, there's a whiskey, and then these other things you don't right, know what they are. Bottles, right? Like, right. I, didn't, I didn't know that this like signifies that. Well, but, but it's weird, because he, he weird talks bullet things or just whatever, like. two pages earlier, he's fretting about um, Rigotti's men slipping into town without him knowing. But then uh, two pages later, he's so detached in some ways from reality, he doesn't know he's about to drink acid. Right? Yeah. You know, like his, his world is really falling apart. You get that sense right. that it's cracking. Yeah. I mean, when Willie Nagel is like the voice of reason... That's interesting. That's interesting, right? But you know, those I would bottles... have a separate flask rather than put my whiskey <laughs> in with my acid. Well, <laughs> would, you, would you carry a flask? That's, that's, that's the, the question. <laughs> I think we're supposed to get the the impression that the goon doesn't care. Like it could be maybe just, that's it too. Because he even seems like even after Willie's telling him, he's like, oh, I might drink it anyway. You know. Yeah. So speaking of a little bit of levity, I think I, I was looking at the labels of the acid bottles. It seems like it's a vial dripping acid onto a hand. Oh, yeah, it is. Oh, is Absolutely, is? yeah. I think so. That's a distinctive oh, warning okay. label. You know, right. I thought those were bullets, but now I see. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. I just okay. got, but that's something you see on manufacturing floors. Like if you're in yeah. plants and things like that, yeah, to determine acid. That, that's an actual oh, label. Okay, yeah. I didn't know that. Um, I got one more thing about this section, and it is, well, I guess it's the whole, this whole trade. 
What do you make of the lack of color? Right? I mean, yeah, I'm bleak. surprised. Very bleak. I mean, this is this all looks like how Pal usually does um, flashback sequences, like mm-hmm. in the sepia tones right, and things there, like yeah. that. Except ah. when you get these kind of bursts of color, like 24 and 25, with the the deep orange and the right. yellow in the backgrounds, which I think are or amazing. Even the, the sudden red behind Goon on 24, yeah, right? It just good. pops and then it's gone. Amazing yeah, juxtaposition. And then oddly, you get that like later on, you get this like bright aqua stuff in Bugatti's yeah. house, which. Right. I don't know what that's signifying, but it's a big, it's a huge break from all the sepia and stuff like that. So, is it fair to say that this is, um, I mean, it reflects Goon's state of mind, right? Yeah. Generally speaking, yeah. I mean, if we had any kind of color in here, it might surprise us. I mean, even the color, the covers. I mean, the covers usually are, despite the the content, but um, each of these just the basic same sepia tone like yeah. the, the cover of the whole trade and each of the individual issues well going into you know chapter 2 like when we get the you know the story of Dr. Moreau mm-hmm. it's not a whole lot different i mean the, i guess the um it's really the close. pencil work the pencil work is right. different but in terms of the color it, or lack of color it's it's basically the same thing before we get there though that the last panel yeah. of Frankie yeah speaking with Norman. um maybe it's better if he does die is and pretty harrowing. Completely despondent. Yeah. 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 So, all right. Kind of Humphrey Bogart-like. No, that's yeah, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of Casablanca there? Or, or I'm thinking uh, the African Queen or something like that. Or he's yeah. Desperate. So maybe, did you have Bogart? I don't think I did Frankie? until just now. <laughs> Bogart is Frankie? I'm staying with James Cagney. Really? Can't go wrong. It's uh, Paul uh, Giamatti is... Uh, <laughs> That would work too. Right? He, he, apparently, he's like the Steve, voice. Steve Buscemi. This thing is. Well, I, I love Steve Buscemi. I, I, I'm claiming Steve Buscemi. I think I came. I think, up I with think that, you yeah. came up with that one. This thing is still happening. It seems. I don't know. All right. So chapter two is very odd, or part two. Part two. A man turned. A man turned out. It's very, very peculiar, right? You would not think that you're going to take basically a whole chapter just to deal with especially with all the shit that's going down right right now. i'm saying what? it's indulgent it's so indulgent oh, i love God. the choice by the way for those <laughs> reasons because it's so fucking weird <laughs> but it's strange um i mean i guess we do need to see the goon deal with regatti's people right that is a necessary kind of but that's component. done secondary to the uh dr Rose. absolutely it's just, you know it's incidental so barely given his attention to it okay how do we approach this so the you got you guys know I went to Doctor Moreau. Yeah, I've taught it a couple times, uh, so I know I, I got it pretty well down. the The novel I've never seen any of the movies or anything like that. And I've only seen the movies. I've never read the novel. Yeah, I think I've done both, but it's so long ago it's irrelevant. Other than the rules that make you, you know, I mean, he had Moreau had right. these rules that the animals had to follow. They couldn't do this. I just want to say when I was reading this, I kind of got the impression that in some ways. Goon just really wanted to animate the Isle of Dr. Moreau. Well, yeah. So he's stuck in there. Right, no, <laughs> Powell, Powell, he's just having fun. Powell just like, right. you know, I really want to do this. So, so there it is. So here's why it works for me, because I think it's so thematically important in what's going on in the Goon at this point, right? So I love you have this framing mechanism of him, like, waiting for the bus to come in. He's going to read the story. And, I mean, all right, this is going to get lofty, but, you know, I... I think reading is yes. a way to to create introspection, to right. to understand yourself, to you know figure out your own humanity, to free yourself from your current reality for a little while, right? To step into somebody else's reality, yeah. or or to 
to figure out something about how to control your reality, right. right? And I think you have that whole component kind of framing the actual story of Dr. Moreau, which is interesting. We have the goon in a kind of very subtle um, uh, self-grappling mm-hmm. right throughout this. Now, when you get to the content of the story, it's very interesting because that story is very much about the bounds of civilization, right? What makes us humans, right. how are we distinct from the animals, and whether or not that's moral. By blurring those boundaries, what happens right? when you begin to... I mean, to... I think the, the juxtaposition, the thematic juxtaposition in Dr. Moreau is, isn't good versus evil. It's nature versus ethics. What's the story of Frankenstein? It's also the story of, 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 so. of a right. priest, zombie priest. It is the story of zombie priest. Kind of violated right. nature with what he did and his race of people. What they Absolutely. Were doing. So yeah. that's where you see, you see that whole bigger arc over all of this. Right. And so what do you get? You get an outsider that comes to this island, right? Mm-hmm. He sees a madman that is creating um, these animalistic men, like zombie, zombie like priests. Zombie priests. Lonely Town, right? You see this very clearly. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Or he is the, you know, whatever that evil force is. It could be the Arab. It could be, you know... Mm-hmm. The thing that is disrupting the natural order of things, right? Um, and you need to be somebody that kind of understands it but stands outside of it, comes to like, you know, maybe the the point of no return even to, right. to truly understand it and then gets pulled back. It's something like that. It's it's kind of it kind of works as an allegory for what is happening. In Absolutely, yeah. And and the, the, the guy who, who gets picked up by the ship, Dr. Whatever his name Hendrick. is. Well, Hendrick. Well, Hendrick is our main character. Right. Pendrick, Pendrick is really the goon. Right. How, however, the first time when, when you get into it, you see the this, I, I don't know what the pages are, but that, the captain oh, who's right. beating the animal. Yeah. Clearly, that is so much like... Like the goon. The goon. I mean, right. really like looks, you think that's right. goon putting himself in there as this guy who, who doesn't understand these odd mutants and just wants to abuse them, you know? So, let me ask you this. So, you're, what we're seeing in terms of the animation here, mm-hmm. I think we're seeing as goon's imagination, right? As right. goon's experience right. in his mind of reading the text, right? That has to be it. You know, that's, that's or else the frame story doesn't really make sense. So... Or else it's just really indulgent of pals. Right. Just be I mean, he's Montgomery is the, is the, goon, the one who looks like Goon. That's Montgomery. Is, he's supposed to be the, the caretaker of everything yeah. that is Dr. Moreau's estate. So what, what I'm reading there is that that's how Goon sees himself. But Goon's wrong. Right. Goon's really exactly. more he's like really Kendrick. Kendrick. Yes. Right. But he's working that out. I think there's a lot of psychology that's going on. Just, But you're right. I mean, that, that image on, um, what is that, 35. I mean, that's unmistakably the Goon. That's the Goon. Just that image, though, once you get closer, you see, like, oh, right, his face is totally isn't. different, just got a cap on, you know. So, but he's yeah. playing with us. Yeah. Through that imagery. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I think he's playing with the goon's sense of himself, mm-hmm. his expectations of who he should be in this world, you know. And perhaps that is goon if he, he, if he did kill uh, Kid Gargantuan, you know, maybe he is this guy. It's a, yeah, that's pretty good. Going but that to, talks about systems, too. Like, it's really about what is the code, you know. Well, okay, so that's what I was just about to talk about. That's your ethics thing. And that's a weird case where he actually violated this whole gangster code, you know. He said, whatever you do, don't let them kill this guy. And then the guy who's protecting him kills him. So what is Goon supposed to do? He's got to kill Kit Gargantuan. But... So that's the thing. It's, it's, it's very complicated, right? Because um, we think of nature, right? The natural world as this kind of, like, lovely, you know, system that works. 
But that's false. That's not how it really works, right? We think of that because we romanticize it from a civilized point of view, generally speaking. Nature is really brutal. Yeah. It, I, don't, I don't know if it's a lovely system. I, I don't think so. No, no, no that's right. Mean, we, we romanticize what happens in nature. I think Moreau actually says something to this effect to Pendrick to justify what he's doing in order to push the boundaries of knowledge forward. You have to be as brutal as nature. Exactly. Yeah. Right? yeah. Right. That's clear. Or that can be used to justify any real any evil. atrocity, of course. You know, Moreau is somebody that justifies evil by saying, "I'm leaning into nature." You know, I'm just, right. I, you right. know, I'm just, I'm just testing the bounds of it, or whatever. Right? You're you're all hung up on your your you know moralizing your your ethics. You know, that's the wrong thing. I'm, re- but that's not true. He really is manipulating nature in unnatural ways. Right. You know, he's going against the the. The greater right. nature. But, so the analogy for me is, like, what is Lonely Street without this kind of grand manipulator, right? It's something that has its own ethical system, but it, it kind of unfolds in this natural way. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be injustices in it, and there's going to be, you know, beauty in it. But it's going to be kind of running of its own will, its exactly. own agency. There's no interference and, and usurping and upsetting it. Right. But it's outside, not moralizing either. You know what I no, mean? Like nature, no. nature yeah, doesn't have We talk about this a lot, how Goon is kind of a thug and, you know, yeah. pretty rough on people in his town. And But he's following code. He's following his own code, right? It's some code and of... And it works ethics. within that whole system that they're in. Yeah. I think one of the, the main themes of Moreau is that nature has a way of rebalancing itself. When you go against the grain, it's going to find a way to, to kind of reset things. Yeah. Do you take that away? Yeah, no, I think that's right. I think that's right. If you can just remove but once the, yeah, the malignant started, source. Already stuff right. started reverting and going back to where it should. The corrupting source, yeah. right? Exactly. Once once Dr. Moreau is removed from the island, the animals start to revert back. Mm-hmm. And they're going to kill each other and they're going to act animalistically without a kind of ethos, but it's going to be natural in an it's uncorrupted how it's supposed sense. To happen, yeah. yeah. That's, this is the story of what's going to happen to Lonely Street. Yeah, well, I mean, he kills off the race mm-hmm. of priests, and, and boom, right. things, things kind of go back to normal without the it's outside. It's not going to be utopian. It's going to be real life. Which is even played through in the in the removal of the curse, where, you know, you don't have to forgive everybody, but, yeah, you know, you don't have to kill them either. You just yeah. let it be. You know? I think this Dr. Moe stuff is brilliant. Yeah. No, I was annoyed by it for a while, but then, of course, you see, all right, this yeah. all makes sense, and this explains everything. Well, check out 41. 41, to me is like extraordinary where you have, you know, this is the rules, you know, uh, not to go on all fours. That is the law not to uh, suck up drink. That is the law. The goon juxtaposed on top of that, right. As he reads it, I think it's so telling, right. It gives you the experience of him reading, which I think right. is beautiful. So he reads this whole thing in three hours. Because he shows up to the bus yeah. terminal at one. They're coming in at four. It's a very thin knot. I don't think it's like, yeah, I don't think no, it's but also I think it's a comment, right. What does Goon choose to do with his spare time? He's going to read. It shows a deeper side to him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, That he's a literate man, that he's interested in sort of passing the time with a novel. Right, He could have played cards or dice. He could have done something else that you would associate with gangsters. That's not who the Goon is. Yeah. Right? And and the point I'm making, I think, is that... He's the man thinking, right? He's learning from it, right? right. I mean, right. he yeah, sees himself he, in right. it. He, th- this is him grappling with, you know, what does it mean to, to have law? What does it mean to enforce the law, Right. He's looking at his position. You turn the page and you get that haggard face, you know, um, with, with the with the kind of like a, what is that, a kind of elk man or yeah, something some like streaming over Iron man coming through. You know, is this what what life on Lonely Street has become? That's what he's grappling mm. with. Man, it's probably a good point 
to point a good moment to point out that right this is the at least the 1977 version of the film with Burt Lancaster. This is where the line comes from that the band House of Pain used oh, yes. to create their name. Go back to the House of Pain and actually sample that whole right. <laughs> he who breaks the law must go back to the House of Pain. I mean that that's it. That's the movie. So I just. Yeah. But what about Devo? Are we not men? Uh, You're a Devo. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's uh, well done. Doctor Moreau, man, that, it goes deep. There's a lot of. Uh, there's a lot of uh, allusion back to it. Um, I, I think I've read like you know most of the major H.G. Wells novels, and I think this is definitely the most complex. I think I like Time Machine the best, but Moreau is, I think, so kind of lofty and heady in terms of its thematic uh, aspirations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, really solid. Um, so, I think ultimately what I get from this is that context makes the man. Right? I think that's what Powell's been kind of talking about throughout this whole series. Context makes the man. But man is also responsible for creating the context. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. It's... And and I think that is just so well distilled in this Wells novel that it works perfectly. And yeah, Powell has carried that through all of this. Goon has been dropped into the world as is, you know, not a lot of choices off to him. And he's... He's setting the context with. You know, now that you say that, it makes me think because I've been meditating on uh, on fifty. I'm skipping right. ahead a little bit. No, when, that's that's right. right when you, you see the two thugs get off the bus, right? There's the hitmen are coming for him. I've meditated on him for a long time. Why does he use a screwdriver? Yeah. To kill these men, but it is a tool. Mm-hmm. It's like a, a man fixing something. It's I created. I created this reality. I must fix this reality, mm. right? So he doesn't use a a weapon. He uses a, a something you would associate with repair. Right. I like it. I'm fixing the situation. I mean, perhaps, maybe, you know. Yeah. That's really good. So what, I mean... Because what else would you use a screwdriver? <laughs> it's a pretty brutal item. Yeah. <laughs> to shove through somebody's head. No, it's right when he obviously has a gun in his pocket, which is right. Right, right. It's much easier. So, I mean, it's strange. First off, he doesn't finish the book, does he? He just kind of lays it down, right? Yeah, I guess... I mean, this is kind of where the book finishes, right? With the, the animals reverting back. Yeah, no, I guess it does. And I think actually we, we got there. the last page might be the end of the book. So I think he does finish it. Or let me put it this way. I think he plays out the finish of it. In other words, he doesn't read to the oh, end. Oh, yeah, okay. But he, but we're going to see... Well, that's see. what's happening because it's overlaid with the text right. there. Yeah. I mean, he's... Yeah. And to your point, right, if it's all in... If we're seeing what is the um, imagination of Goon at play here, then of course he would finish it out himself. Yeah. Right. right? The extent of his own, his own mind. You live out the fiction. Huh. By the way, these two thugs get off the bus. And again, this is goes back to what we've said many times before about Powell's ability to create characters. We know nothing about these two hitmen other than they've come to kill him. Right. Yet look how much detail is given to them. And you get the sense right away of, oh, hired thugs, right? They're not right. just um, yeah. sort of faceless entities. No, they, they're, right? Great detail is there for them. Yeah. And then they're gone. Look at one page later. I know. Right. No, that's... If anything, like if I could come out with like one great pal attribute, it is depth of character. Depth of character. Mm-hmm. You know, one panel will give you a whole life. It, it's extraordinary. He gives you the sense, right? Because I mean, sometimes I think some authors fall into this this um, this problem that a character only exists to serve your main character. Mm-hmm, right. And that, I never get that sense from. No, they all have their own reality. Their own reality, fully developed around them. Right. You yeah. may only see a fragment of it, but. They bring something to the table. Yeah, there, there's whole novels 
inlaid in each one of these characters right. that could go off in a thousand different directions. Have you, you've ever seen the, the movie The Truman Show? With, yeah. Uh, Jim, right, and the, literally everyone is on set just to serve him, this right. concept, that, right? And that's ultimately he's able to realize that there's something very superficial about mm-hmm. you know, everything he's saying. That kind of, that's, that's not Powell's world. No, there's depth. So the last panel, right, is obviously text. I'm not sure if it's the end of the book. I don't know, but... Um, it's goons standing over the two slain, you know, mobsters. And now they're just heaps. They're just blurry heaps in the right. ground as opposed to being defined figures. Good point, yeah. Uh, and it even seemed that I, too, was not a reasonable creature, but only an animal tormented with some strange disorder in its brain that sent it to wander alone. That's a statement of being, mm-hmm. right? So what, I mean, what does the goon learn from this book? That he has to be part of the animal world in terms of being natural, but not a corrupting force, right? Right, mm-hmm. because if you could take that too far, you end up being like the Arab or the zombie priest or something. Again, I think it's about the balance, right? It's finding, it's discovering, you know, the limits that you can kind of live with yourself. Yeah, it's, it's existing within your world appropriately. Yeah, appropriately, right? Knowing your place within it. Knowing your place, I think that's a good way to put it. God, I, I love this second chapter. I think it's extraordinary. It was strange way, when I first read it, but now that we've revisited yeah. it, it's like, it makes a lot more sense. I mean, this is ridiculous to say, but the artwork throughout is incredible. 49, where you see the, uh, the animals <laughs> yeah. tearing the guy apart in that kind of silhouette. Right, man. And, and he just uses crosshatch to draw everything yeah. in. It's wonderful. No it's detail, so, just so a mob. By the time we get to chapter three, I'm like... Hey, I want to see the 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 awesome villains, and that we get. And here they are, right? Like yeah. on cue, and again, a little bit of color. Yeah, yeah. That I, I was kind of relieved. That's to what see you're talking that. about before. Like, boom. Yeah, it's refreshing. And it, again, it takes me to those like EC comics, you know, with the uh, right. Somebody coming in to extract vengeance. And... Yeah, I don't know what to make of that. Um, you know, why he's in that that blue? Uh, I guess. Some, I mean, I, I you can look at like the, um, you know, fifty six. You get a very clear juxtaposition of how the goon is colored versus how Rigetti? Yeah. Rigotti is colored. You know, which I think might make a connection about their <coughs> their sense of purpose and all the things we were talking about in chapter two. It also might be that they're not on Lonely Street anymore. When you're off Lonely yeah. Street, you get a little more color in your world, right? This is it's a different kind of feeling or mood. Yeah. Because Rigotti doesn't live in Lonely Street. He's from somewhere else. We don't know yeah. where, but Yeah. Uh, the next page I really like with this, um, with the goon talking and his analogy of the, uh, what is that, the temperature gauge and, and how he's understanding right. life. Right, right. And, like, you know, the kind of just, like, onslaught of the fever of what life is giving you. Right. The pressure is building. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and throughout this, you get the sense that he's going to walk out of this room and leave this guy. Right? Don't you? Yeah, that he might, right, because he's here in this nice quiet moment with him. And they're having right. He's just... A kind yeah. of discussion, right? Yeah. He's just laying it all out for this guy. He's laying it all out. Look, this is what's going on. This is where we're at. And well, what he's really doing is he's working out his own thoughts. Absolutely. You know, he just needs a sounding board. You know, but but this is the result, I think, of the experience of reading, of his contemplation. You know, Goon doesn't seem like a guy that could, like, you know, sit down and meditate because he has too many demons in his head. Right. But he can, you know, focus on some art, say, you know, a book to, to kind of work through his ideas and... And I think it's apropos that he is going to work these things out to final conclusion while he's in the act of the way, murdering and, somebody. Right. And, and that person is sitting right there with him knowing that, mm-hmm. right, I'm with a madman. 
Right. right. This guy has gone farther than I've seen, seen anyone else go. What's going to happen here? Just sitting there on the bed, you know, philosophizing, right. moralizing. <laughs> right. so, so the question is, does he skin him alive and wear him as a suit? We don't no, see we don't it. See. No, he doesn't need to do that. There's this wonderful He's movie, by the way. Well, yeah, I, I thought it was very interesting from the, the, the mid-90s. And, um, it featured the... Uh, Is it movie? No, no, not of this. 90210. Oh. Who played um, one of the twins? The twins were... Uh, Shannon Doherty was one, and then her brother. Oh. And he was an assassin for the mob. Oh, I know, yeah, I know that movie. Uh, Cold-Blooded. Cold-Blooded. And yeah. there's a scene in the movie That's where movie. he comes to shoot a couple, and Michael J. Fox plays one of the, the couple, and they're sitting yeah. having breakfast, and they welcome him in because they don't know he's there to kill them. And he sits down at the breakfast table with them, and they, he asks them, what is it to be happy? How is it to find <laughs> someone that makes you happy? Because he's interested in this girl who's met in yoga class. And he sits with them for a while and they share with him how happy they are and how they found this love and then he shoots them dead. Like, this is <laughs> this is that same moment, right? Man, I haven't thought about the movie in years. Cold-Blooded <laughs> was, was one of the, like, the, the mid-late 90s movies that was clearly just doing like you know, shocking Pulp Fiction style things in an indie it format. Sounds like when you just mentioned yeah, that right. conversational stuff. Yes, it was so Tarantino. But uh, the big hook on that was like, can you imagine that? Like, you know, Brandon from Nine Hundred Two Hundred is right. going to be killing people, and but actually, it was pretty well done. It I worked well. It was right. pretty good. Yeah, because they didn't oversell it either. They yeah. just kind of let the story tell itself. It was like Killing Zoe, Love in a Forty Five, and like a thousand other movies like that. That's what Tarantino um, had brought. It is. It is. He, he could be his own podcast. Tarantino? Tarantino's a giant. Okay, next we move into our couple that is now formed into one person that Zombie Priest mm-hmm. is holding. I can't remember their names. Do you remember their names? No, I was going to go back and look it up. I was too, but I didn't care enough. <laughs> Just call them the couple. Yeah, but... Um, and I love the, the juxtaposed text all yeah. the time, right? There's this... this Text in conflict. It's both of them. Well, I, I'm it's, speaking together as one. Right? Speaking, right. Yeah. The interesting thing is, I mean, they're in agreement with everything they're saying. It's not like they're saying right. anything different, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think that's all pretty cool. But I, I love that this is almost like um, a scientific experiment. For, <laughs> right. <laughs> He's observing the results. We say, what's going on? Let me check on the uh, experiment now. So isn't it fair to say that this whole third chapter is about the two, you know, the two main characters of good and evil, Goon and Zombie Priest? Both kind of working out what Lonely Street is, yeah. you know, um, you know, going about it in different ways, you know, from different points of view, but that we've seen this before that they are paired a lot in terms of are they how they a, approach the world. A retelling of the story of Horse Eater Wood, right? The man was in love with the woman, but well, the woman was strictly vain and just wanted to take from the world. Well, I think that's why we need zombie priests to kind of allude to that, okay? You know, to tell that story that that is something that's going. That is the story of Lonely Street, this kind of um, cyclical evil that is just manipulating love over and over again. And, you know, I think I think that last thing where you say, like, oh, love is the answer, you know, could be done very, very cheesily. Oh, absolutely. could be corny. But it's not here because of all this buildup, because of of zombie priest kind of exploration of this. This is all to get to the fourth chapter where it's, oh, I get it. The 10cc song, The Things We Do For Love, just came into my head. (laughs) (laughs) Like we just speak of it being done very cheesy-like. Yeah. Walking in the rain and the snow, right? (laughs) Could be very bad. I love that song, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. 10cc. Uh, but no, I think, I think you're right. Right. So what is, how do I figure out what the core of this place is? Well, I need a living example. That's a key into it. That's why he keeps saying you guys are a key to, to this because 
the essence of what you are is getting back to the ancient essence of what happened in that expedition wow, in, yeah. mm-hmm. in Horse Eater's Woods, you know? If I can... It's, it's basic well, it's science. Well, betrayal, really. Betrayal, I think, is the corruption of love, you know? It's a corruption of when love, open, yeah. Because you have to have that, somebody's got to be open to it, and then you can really destroy right. them. Well, know? it's so much smarter than blind evil, right? Blind... Blind motiveless evil is unrealistic yeah, to the human experience. What's the, what's the point of that? You know, right? That's uh, just like a psychotic. That's just doesn't right. make sense. I, I always, I, I've probably said this before. I always tell my students when I'm talking about character, like, um, uh, no villain thinks they're a villain. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Once you have a villain that's like, muhaha, I'm so evil. That's completely uninteresting, yeah. right? What what makes an interesting villain is that you know their delusion or you know maybe even justification that they are doing something that's, that's right. righteous or at least justifiable. You know, playing the game of ends versus means. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, I think that's what Powell's trying to get at. You know, it, it's not just blind evil; it's this kind of corruption of something that has has. Human decency. Yeah, potential for good. Potential for good. Turn away. Wow. All right. We're, we're going real lofty today. I, this I, is by the way. That's coming from this, I though. Little, right? I, I was a little just afraid us. that I didn't have, uh, that there wasn't a lot to and say it, about it. we're going no, long. No, 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 there's, there's a lot. Um, on the page after, right, so the, the joined creature accuses zombie priest of not understanding its pain. Right. Right. And so he launches into his own story. But right in the middle of that, very quietly, we get Goon taking out yet another one of the priests, <laughs> yeah, yeah. right? And I guess this is like a witch oh. doctor priest or whatever he is, right? The, yeah. uh, and it just kind of happens. Three pounds. Boom, it's done. And that's a yep. pretty good joke. It, it is a kind of a joke of its own, it's right? It's a dark joke. Well, uh, you know, because that's supposed to be happening in real time. In real right? time, right? <laughs> well, he says there. He right. takes it down one. He can feel it, right? He says, it, excuse me, excuse right? Excuse me. Make that four. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good joke. It's a good yeah. joke, right? Apropos. Um... I, and I like that we don't need the backstory of how Goon does this and all that. Just, just gets it done. Right. I mean, we can we can assume that it's the same methodology or some variation that he used to get the mist god, you know, mm-hmm. or which, whatever. Um, you know, it's his own kind of sense of, of need of justice, whatever that is. I, I have to do this, right? This is part of my yeah. reality. But, you know, what's interesting is it gives us a greater depth of the zombie priest, that he feels the need to, to share the story, to have this almost confessional-like moment to say, listen, let me tell you about who I am yeah. and the pain I've suffered so you understand where I'm coming from. Yeah. And he, so we, so he doesn't just tell the, um, the skin face, right? First he goes back and we get a revamping of like, you know, his... His own fall, for, you know. His right, own and, fall, and, right. And this time just has more context because you see how the other priest kind of works against him within that and how right. that works. And we need that. This is going to... Yeah. This is pays off before he gets killed. I mean, we need to know how their world works and why he's who he is. Well, I, I think it works as the end of a series, too, right? To, I mean, when Zombie Priest first told that story about his origins, that's mm-hmm. like a long time ago right. at this point. I mean, it's like yeah, 12 years ago, you know, yeah, if you're you going some, in comic time. Right, more exposition right, right, again. Right, right, it's a long time ago. And, and Pal knows that, you know, it, it's going back and kind of dealing with the old, the mythology that he built up that is going to pay off now. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's really creating a kind of full system. Not that I think, you know, when he did this in, you know, the early 2000s that he knew it was going to end this way, but I think he knows enough to create... Enough that you can, you can build off of it later. 
it's it's amazing. And I love like you know, we get uh, long long fingers and this uh, what is the um, Jinofri? Jinofri, right? Is the other one the beautiful the beautiful one beautiful one that gets uh, mutilated. That's it by the gruesome. It's very yeah. gruesome. Cut his yeah. beautiful face off and wear it on your hat. Ugh. Yeah. Um, but isn't that the ultimate example of the unnatural, the depravity right. that the goon yeah. is, is battling, right? I mean, so this this story, you get both the, the Horse Eaters Woods and the Zombie Priest, which is probably a more ancient story than even Horse Eaters Woods, right? To set up the final good beating evil, right? We, we need to be reminded of all the ultimate evils, of the stakes of right, this world. Right. Um, and before I think you, that's what Before you turn the page there, so and they're not numbered at this point, the pages. I'm looking at the, the bottom of the page where, right, so the zombie priest is finished with his story and he finishes up with the line, for his long, long life he was alone. You have this image of where the rest of the coven is hiding. It's mm-hmm. a really odd building that's really a building on top of a building on top of a building. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Right? It's almost like foundational in its concept. Of like It could be like a pyramid of some kind or something like that where you've... No one would ever build a structure that looked like that. Yeah. But it, I think it kind of connotes a certain sense of like what's going on here with, with the coven, that they this um, things have sort of layered upon themselves. It's interesting. The windows are kind of uh, stained glass a in little, nature, right? too, a little is bit. It, like, what is this? Is it a, is it a church? Is it yeah, some it has kind of factory church-like building? qualities. It has right. both. But isn't that a kind of like corruption in a sense? Yes. Yeah. Right. Uh, I, didn't even, I didn't think about that at all. It's pretty good. I love that image. And of course, and Annie surrounded it, you know, here it is Lonely Street. You see telephone poles and wires, very yeah, crumb like uh, again to give you a sense of. You get your roof, uh, yeah. your, your chimneys, and this no, is no a real water place. tower in this one. Though. No water tower. I always like to tell water towers. Yeah. And you also get the um, backstory on how Long Fingers became this kind of burnt, right. you know, um, wooden looking character. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I like that he had that nice page boy haircut. Now he has to have the wig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got that's a, um, So what we're seeing on the other side is uh, with the priests is that they're going to start kind of cannibalizing each other now, right? Right, right. That because um, the end is near. The end is near, and I think this is pretty good in terms of you know, how we kind of get to the conclusion that it, it might be unrealistic if Goon can go and, like, you know, assassinate each all one of them. Right. But if you can kind of get to a tipping point where the system doesn't work on their side and they can start moving against each other, that... that makes more sense, yeah. Really it's good storytelling. So that... And in their desperation, it's it's a natural motive for them to, I mean, to turn on each other, you know? Right, right. Um, yeah, well, wait a minute, right? Because... Uh, this is your following moment to grab all the power. Yeah. The uh, long fingers putting his fingers through the face. It's a hideous image. Of that mm. character is pretty awesome. Uh, long fingers is amazing. Very Wolverine like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also at the same time, like. Uh, its own thing, though. What's, uh, what's the movie with the Edward Scissor hands? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the kind of like, creepy claw like hands. Yeah. And now he's going to turn to the Arab, you know. I will kill the goon, but not because you wish it. I will drink the power of the martyr's blood and add it to mine. All of them, this kind of evil is so corrupted by its own power that they can't think in terms of a cohesive group the way that goon and his friends can. Although this is not really about that, you know? So. And then I will come for you. Yeah. Right. Arab. 
Yeah. Okay, and then, so what else do we get? We get these uh, very depressing uh, yes. <laughs> images of Frankie right. and the goon. You actually get the... Mrs. Norton trying to console Goon. And yeah, the, the, the Madame Elsa Right, you're a better person than you realize, which is the same thing that um, well, Buzzard said. Buzzard has said that. Yeah, that, that's been said a couple times. Right. And then that leads to the big confrontation. The showdown, right? Right. Which is going to... Well, two confrontations, really. Right? So the end of this sets up the Goon versus Longfingers and Arab versus Zombie Priest. Right, we, and and those things are all going to kind mm-hmm. of come together and mash up in the final chapter. I don't like that we get Kid Gargantuan's face to begin chapter four. I know too much. That yeah, is yeah. a little spoilery. Um, I don't really like that. But one more thing about Longfingers. Remember in the last trade, there was this um, Goon and Longfingers already did battle, but we didn't see it. It was like kind of off camera. Right. And but it says like, you know, oh, this one battle that was like so you know, monumental. And that was cool at the time, but I think it kind of undercuts the the severity, the the, the prominence of this battle here, right? Because they already seen battle with each other. Why is this one so significant then? Right. It's just a little detail that rubs me wrong a little bit, but whatever. Um all right. Moving into the final chapter here. Number one, this first panel where we get the three panels of the goon, he's talking to us, I think. Right? Uh, you get that impression. Yeah, right? he's breaking yeah, the fourth he's wall. It out for right? You, yeah. right? That's why I'm going out the way I want. And I'm talk uh and I'm talking well, I'm, I'm taking, taking the fuckers with me. I guess those fuckers. Yeah. Um Oh, it's scratched out, you don't really know what well, it's they, so <laughs> they stop scratching out. I know. It's interesting that they do, right? But, but that final pa- he's talking to us, right? Yeah, he's literally is, turning to you, the reader, and saying, I'm talking to you. That right? has never happened in a serious rendering, right? We've seen that right. many times in goofy, you know, kind of pal comedy mode, which was fine. But this is uh, something different. This is like, um, it's a nod. And in some ways, it's like his character saying farewell to you in this particular format, right? I think so. Here comes the end, right? Thanks for joining. Thanks for having taken this trip with me. Yeah. Let's do what I got to do now. The battle's great. The breaking of the arms is interesting. It is. You know, very it's, similar to how he broke well, spider's yeah, arms. practice right. with spider. Right, so brutal. Right. Well, I, I think, like, that was, you know, well done, considering this. You know what I mean? It's it's a little bit of taste of foreshadowing mm-hmm. for, for this real battle. Um, and Zombie Priest sees this. He warns them... And then we get the big confrontation with the Arab. Now, the Arab is not going to do battle in his own right. He is going to use this force of the the lovers, you know, the conjoined lovers, I guess mm-hmm. we we'll call them, to fight, which I think is great symbolic kind of play here, right? Because what are they except the expression of concentrated evil of Lonely Street? Right. They, That's are, what, right. they are horse eater wood right. personified. So what you get is... The I mean, going back to Dr. Moreau, you get the ultimate kind of puppet master using the forces of the unnatural world against right. nature, which I think is what the goon represents. Because right. he tried it once with the recreation of Labrazo, mm-hmm. which didn't right. work, so now he's, right, I found a more deadly force. Right. Well, Labrazo seemed to be something that was too much of an outsider, right? So he was evil, right. but he was a... a 
he wasn't evil that was connected to the, the town. That, right. That Horse Eater Wood, the mythology, right? He was just a kind of like two-bit gangster that happened to mm-hmm. be connected to the goon in some way. This is more visceral, right? I like all that. I think it all just kind of gets defeated a little too easily. Very quickly. It's all too quick, right? right. But I, I love the kind of... Maybe if, it, if he hadn't spent so much time on the Isle of Dr. Moreau, right? Maybe. <laughs> but I feel like there could be another chapter here that would maybe be yeah, a little yeah, more right. satisfactory. But let's not take away too from the beautiful imagery. It's incredible. Of Arab summoning the or using the creature, right? Empowering the creature to attack. Yeah. Yeah. That's phenomenal. Well, yeah, the wizard stuff, I mean, that's yeah. all, it's all very, like, 70s. That, who's that guy? Franzetti? Yeah, Franzetti, right. right? I mean, it's beautiful. Yeah. I, I actually saw um, uh, some other interview with uh, Pal uh, where he was talking about Franzetti specifically and, and the influence he had on them. Frank Franzetti? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, a, there's some kind of, like, it's a Modern Masters series that is dedicated all to Pal. I want to talk about it a little next time. Okay. Um, and it's a series of, of interviews that kind of span his career. It's very interesting. I recommend taking right, The Arab stance is also, you see this image over and over again. You know, Dungeons and Dragons has now oh, yeah. existed for 40 years. That image has been used many, many times. It's, it's uh, so iconic. Yeah. You know, the wizard in the midst of his spell. Yeah, no, the imagery is incredible. And like this whole battle, you know, everything kind of like, ideas like, like scenes bleeding into each other and, you know, uh, these, these arms reaching out of the mist and swiping and all of this. And finally, the monster's speaking with one voice. Yeah. One, oh, one, yeah, that's yeah. a good point. One creepy voice, but it has one voice. Well, I, I think it's probably... So, Pal's done this before, right? W- particularly with Labrazio, that it wasn't just Labrazio. It was like a hybrid of Labrazio and... And the Michaels. And the Michaels and Zombie Priest or, or the Arab, rather. Right. That it, it's kind of this um, hybrid... Mm-hmm. Of these forces coming right, together. All together, yeah, that's true, and I think that's what's happening here. But the the voice is actually it's the evil of Lonely Street. It's the, it's that ancient voice from Horse Eater Wood. What's interesting is you turn the page as soon as Kid Gargantuan rescues Goon, the voice breaks in two again. Oh wow! Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I just realized that that that's it's great. suddenly the creature speaking again as two, so its power is lessened. Right? We assume that Kid Gargantuan you you sacrifice Kid Gargantuan, but no, you haven't. Something's yeah. not quite like we anticipated it to be. So I remember like last week when we were talking about, or yeah, Kid Gargantuan and like what he means and why he appeared so abruptly and right. why is it he kind of looks like the goon. That's all pretty much explained here, right? Mm-hmm. I think, I, right? Uh, what is it? Uh, he's a reflection of the goon's what nobler self. He said that, yeah. Right? They said right? Right? Who yeah. says that? Does Zombie Priest say it or somebody he's says a reflection it? Reflection of noble goon. I didn't write who said it, but it said explicitly somewhere, but. I think I think uh, Arab tells him that. Yeah, it's it's a doppelganger, right? I mean, right. Um, but he's like he's like I don't want to say the good version of the goon, but it's it's the goon. He's more innocent. He has an innocent. Like although oh, he was brought up with a life of hate being put into him, but he really didn't uh, do much with it. Yeah. Until he killed his brother. Yeah. So the idea that he is what. That the idea that, that he, Goon didn't kill him, is symbolically expressing Goon maintained his humanity. Absolutely. Goon saw enough in this person that um, he broke unnatural laws, the laws of the gangsters, as you were talking about before, right. in order to 
in order to save who he saw in order to do the right thing in a natural sense. Exactly. It wasn't, it wasn't well, a it's compassion, empathy. You're saying, all right, you know exactly. what? I understand I why him. I did this. Sorry. I understand why I did this. Right. I love you. Yeah. Just get out of here. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I think it all makes kind of allegorical sense. Um, yeah, it's all pretty good. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to laugh. I got something that's coming up because I love this. And it's, it's this plays back to what you said earlier, that this is handled, but it's not cheesy. When the, the spirit creature is finally broken in two and the man and the woman separate, and the woman says, I'm sorry, and his final response to her is, no, you're not. But I don't care. Yeah, yeah. Right? it just it, it keeps with the theme that it, this is very real. It's not it, all exactly. happiness, right. right? It's not no, just the not, simplicity right? and joy. It's not about good versus evil. Good versus good and evil are both kind of natural and unnatural. It's about the it's about not being corrupted. Right, existing right? with with it. Let let kind of natural evil exist because that's part of humanity as well. It's a way more complicated kind of set of distinctions, right? Right. Than, than your standard, let's say, Dungeons and Dragons fair or something like right. that. Remember we talked early on, well, not early on, but a while back, um, when we moved from Chinatown to the Labrazo art, how it went from a story of good versus evil to a story of, like, chaos versus law. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. Right? It, it, which has a, um, a more complex explanation to it, right? It, 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 who's right and who's wrong? Yeah, we well, don't know. Right. I think we're kind of talking about the same thing right. here, just put in slightly different terms. Um, you, chaos is, I guess, analogous to this kind of corruption, where law or code is more analogous to a kind of ethical standard. I don't think that's exactly well, 100%. What, what, what could have done, works, though, is he's not been selfish, right? He could have destroyed Kid Gargantuan for selfish reasons, but he let his love show him, no, no, let me not destroy this, this man that I love, because, right... I don't know why. It doesn't serve my purpose to let him live, but I love him, so I'll let him be. Yeah. And it, it comes back to him. Very dharmic sort of force, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, all right. Now, the Arab way, is defeated. Phenomenal imagery. Beautiful imagery throughout all of this. Okay. You could tell that like, Powell must yeah. have spent no, this took a lot unreal of amounts of time to, to craft these panels. They're just gorgeous. Yeah. Arab is defeated. Uh, I mean, I guess his energy is zapped out of him because he gives so much of it to... Right, to the creature. To the creature and leaves him vulnerable. You get the bam and he's out. All right? Again, the gun, right? I, I dismiss yeah. you. Yeah, he's passing. He, well, he even says they, they deserve indifference. Like, like Right, indifference, right. And then same thing happens to Zombie Priest. <laughs> I do like the... He does a jig. <laughs> they do the jig of all things, right? We've <laughs> seen that a couple times, right? Where he's like, ha ha, check it out. Like, I remember, like, um, with the uh, corpse mother, like, doing a jig and, like... Remember, even when he first was sort of first revealed to his background story, he's doing the jig around the fire. Yeah. When, like, the oh, right. spy hears his name. He's so gleeful that he's going to get the baby, right? This has been a, a flaw of zombie priest for a long time. He, right. he gets overzealous in moments. He can't contain himself. He can't contain himself, right? And every other time, that has been maybe, what... Uh, enough to get him out of a bind or create some kind of like right. not this time right. um, they're all gone knew- they're all gone there's still one <laughs> yeah. and Goon says you knew how this would end boom the, the hat comes off I love that idea you knew how this was end with because right with that period at the end right yeah because um, I mean I believe that right you get a sense that that it was faded 
right? right? The zombie priest had to know. There's a... This is the natural conclusion to what is split, right? There cannot be your coven. Your coven does unnatural things. Yeah. It has to be mm-hmm. over. Yeah. I don't know who picks up the hat. I love the mystery of it, though. But clearly they're little hands. They're not big man hands. There's some kind of little hand that takes yeah. possession of the hat. I don't know. And so I like this... Um, I mean, I like these panels that show, you know, who's being left behind and their sad faces and all of this. It's it's kind of like a very subtle, not too flashy, um, hey, remember these guys? Right, right. You know what right. I mean? You're not going to see last, them again. Let's give them a little bit of a, a beautiful portrait. Um, and then the goon and Frankie go off. It's almost though like uh, the way he frames them out, like at the end of a play or musical, yeah. that certain clusters come out mm-hmm. who make logical sense, right? Norton, his wife, and Spider, right? The, yeah. ta- the people yeah. in the tavern. Uh, Willie Nagel and, and which of the muds is this? Uh, Charlie? This is Charlie. Bill is dead, right? This is Charlie. Yeah. Right? The hooligans and kid, uh, kid Gargantua. Well, I just love how it's almost like you want to see them take the bow, right? Well, the, Together. The middle ones are the supernatural. The other ones are the innocents right. yeah. to right. some degree. Yeah, no, that, that's really smart. And it's then cleverly done. All of them together on the next page, I think you get a sense of well, at least they have each other. At right. least, you know, mm-hmm. and there's something nice about that. Um, now, this is bizarre, though. When you think it's over, it takes a really odd turn. So, we see Goon next well, move. it takes him back to his roots, though. It Kizzy does, yeah, right. Kizzy's right. Kizzy. been That's hovering true. over everything throughout the whole series. So, Let's go be carnies again, right? So, what is that, right? It's it's, And we talked about that as a theme in Pal before, too, that the past is a kind of way to gain back who you are. Right, redemption. Sense. It's mm-hmm, redemption. Right. And so what is he going to do? He's going to go to a carnival. He's going to have, like, Frankie and Roscoe with him. It's not going to be the exact same kind of... Um, you almost get the sense, though, he's going to run the carnival now. It's going to be like, you know, he's learned how in life to run things. He's, that's what he does, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I'm going to look like the muscle putting up the tents, but I'm really running the show around here. Right, he's not going to be these clowns. These right, these clowns. clowns. <laughs> I love that joke. <laughs> We clown, ain't that enough, right? They're really <laughs> upset about that. <laughs> by the way, those are some angry-looking clowns. Yeah. Yes. I would be very entertained by them. But, I mean, this idea of, you know, the hero that defeats the evil can't stay in the community is, you right. know, part of that Western samurai, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, Arkansas, right. too mysterious. They have to move on. You can't just have right. the average the good, guy. the bad, and the ugly, right? 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 Clint yeah. Eastwood has to keep riding on. Yes, or he has to die, right? Yeah. Because you can't, you have too much wild in you. Mm-hmm. Right, civilization can't contain you anymore. You know, this is so, uh, Steve McQueen and yeah. Sam Pebbles, right? He's, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. got to die. Right, he's 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 too much man to be contained by this world. Right, I mean, um, but this fine. I I really like the last page. Right, I, I remember the first time reading this, like you know, what two years ago, whatever, thinking it was a little abrupt, and that's it. That's the last vision of the goon or whatever. Yeah. But it's actually perfect given the kind of larger archetypal... That's all you need. ...things here, right? That's... Because, you know, you could easily do that, the, the, the goon running toward to save the girl right. as one big splash over right. the whole thing. But that's not who he is anymore. He's going to take a kind of secondary seat. He's going to be this, this kind of roving person that on a small scale helps the innocent, mm-hmm. rights wrongs, creates justice... But it's going to be on in this kind of new, smaller... Stripped out. It's more simple, straightforward, honest work they're doing, you know. But he's a man of action here. He mm-hmm. runs towards us. We know exactly how it's going to work out. These thugs are going to get punched. The girl's <laughs> going to, you know, going to fall in love with him. And maybe it'll work out. Maybe it won't. But it's going to be on his Look at the, 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 at the bottom of the last panel where it says the end, right? Yeah. It says he found happiness for a time, for mm-hmm. a time. 
Look how happy Frankie is. Yeah. Sort yeah. of framed in that little right in the nook yeah, of that yeah. is Goon. Well, Goon's happiness is expressed through Frankie. Goon's got one expression pretty much. Yeah, you're right. So <laughs> Frankie, ahead. like when Goon was at his worst, you see Frankie falling apart. Right. You know? That's a good point. So. Well, Goon's Excellent. Right. I mean, Frankie's right about Goon. Frankie said, look, you can't beat this guy. He's been going, he's had up and downs his whole Absolutely, life. Absolutely, yeah. And he was right. You know, this demonstrates it. But it's all going to be on his own terms. I think that's the important aspect. I, I really like the end. I think it's uh, I think it's very mm, subtle and point. smart. You turn the page, though, and it's not the end. Oh, this is great. There's an epilogue. This is bizarre. So I'm taking this as this is all prelogue to uh, Words of Misery. Right? right. Right. Which is good. And we talked about Pal being the king of this, that every ending holds a new beginning. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think that's really cool. So what do we have here? A new set of mythologies. We don't know who this guy is. He vaguely looks like the goon, right? But he also wears an eye patch, which for a while looked like Zombie Priest. In this yeah, bottom panel in the middle, he looks like Wolverine. Yeah. Right? He's got that uh, Logan look about him. I don't know if he's a good guy or a bad guy. I don't know if these, right. these shadowy figures are good. You don't really know, but you know that it's going to have some kind of payoff. And this one panel with the... Um, the body falling off the cliff is very, very similar to zombie priests yeah. kind of uh, fall into the depths of whatever that hell kind of realm is. The skull's provocative. I love everything that's involved here. I so want this to continue. Had we seen the, the, the guys or the images around the, uh, the glass skull, right? The skull with glass. Mm-hmm. Have we seen them before? I mean, I think he's reminiscent of the magician, you know, the, the guy with the right? turban. But I, it seems to be a different character completely. Are they also kind of reminiscent, though, of how in um, was it the older story, Billy the Kid, right? Yeah. When they, they they came in possession of the Nuremberg baby, the ossified oh, baby, yeah, the ossified yeah. baby of Nuremberg. Yeah. Right? They're kind of all sitting around, right? Always like this this cluster sitting together in some kind of parlor room, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, sort yeah. of hmm. contemplating the destruction of man. It's interesting, and I think the shadowy figure too. The very last panel. Kind of, the look is a little reminiscent of the corpse mother, you know? I mean, I don't think these are the exact same characters, but I don't know, the way that the, the kind of head is tilted a little bit. Um, <clears throat> my only point being that I think these familiar images that do have legs given a new context, you know? Right. If this was going to be in Lonely Street again, I don't think it works. But now that we're going into some new kind of mythical territory, right. it totally works. So... I have some, so if you turn the page now, now we get the kind of splash, Lord, to be continued in, the Lords of Misery. Now, clearly, in the silhouette, you have Goon, Frankie, and Roscoe right. as the right mm-hmm. side. The three and then two other, other right, other and then two others. Someone wearing biker boots. So I was wondering... Someone wearing knickers, I guess. I was thinking, are one of those the people that grab the hat, maybe? Wouldn't they be wearing it, though? I don't know. I don't know how that works. I kind of dismissed it right away. Some two characters would be excellent, though. Like something fresh. What? When did this end? What, when did this series this, end? This is this like end. 2015, is this yeah. book. And did Lords of Misery come out? Not yet. We're still awaiting it. Yeah, and there hasn't been word on it. I was Googling around a little today just to see, like, has there been anything I've been missing or whatever? And it seems that it's still in the works, but Pal is just too interested in hillbilly and some He's other fun doing other things right and they're all by the way they're all great man it's we'll talk about them next so week maybe you can do without the commercial at the end maybe let the, let the comic end with just ah, the end i don't know man i don't need to i don't need to by the way i think we're next. left with the impression based on what the the shadowy figure says after looking at the skull 
the lords or the, or the lords of misery, they're the villain. I right? don't know. All right, so I think the lords of misery are alluded to in the first page of the right, epilogue. Right? right. So whoever this guy is says, hey, uh, that's what you don't understand. You kill Nix, Wade, Old Scrug, and you'll soon kill me. You can kill all of us, et cetera, et cetera. Right. I'm thinking that those are the original words of misery, and this is some kind of like, you know. Right. A hundred years earlier, and now it's coming. And now the, these five characters over here, Goon and Frankie and Roscoe included, are going to be the new words of misery, take up the mantle in some way. I, I wonder. You know, this? Look at look at the um in the I epilogue. I don't care that much. I don't know. Put put something out, then we can right. talk about it. You have the one eyed no. man. I can't I can't speculate endlessly. About I think there's a, but there's two enough, panels and a there's just enough a information. Flash promo for something that may not even. Come I don't out. think they're the Lords of Misery. I'm thinking the other way around. Because look, you see, he's on the uh, the little cliff edge there with this this whole group gathered around him, and the tall one says, "Fools, you don't don't understand that if you kill me, I will return." You stop nothing. Maybe they're the words but, of misery. Right, so like, wh who exactly is the bad guy here in the situation? Yeah. And who's going to die? Misery sounds like the bad guys. It does. You know, <laughs> it, but it's interesting. because Who's like, not the lord not of misery? Not necessarily. Yeah. Unless no. you like try to be badass by, you know, we're the lord of misery. But I even like this idea. That's what I'm thinking. Right. That's what I'm thinking. I don't think so. I don't think if you don't call the comic after the hero, you call it after the villains that they battle. That's really cleverly done. Yeah. I don't know. I can't, like, you know... It's like the Legion of Doom, right? You know, the the, the superhero, super right. Imagine calling the serial the the, the 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 series the Legion of Doom, right? That would have been great. It's cool. And focus on the the villains all the time. Yeah. Damn, Batman meddling in our affairs, you know, kind of thing. Like yeah. you, you could see that that point of view. No, that's really. I, I mean, put put the villains in the foreground, right? You know and eventually, I mean? that that television series, right, the Super Friends series, started to do that. They sh they would show you the Legion of Doom yeah. and what they were up to. So they weren't just you know the enemy you defeated. They became much more than that. Well, Batman movies tend to do that, right? Yes. You spend way more time with Joker and Bane and things like that mm -hmm. than you do with Batman in a lot of these, you know? Maybe at a certain point they're more interesting, too. Well, yeah, I, I think yeah. villains are typically more interesting, I think. I mean, so, I mean, I've made a favorite character list for the... For, villains are all over most it, of, Most of the villains. <laughs> you know who's not on the list? Goon or Frankie. <laughs> they don't make my top ten. More of that to come, but um, I, I look. I'm going to disagree vehemently with Paul. <laughs> vehemently with Paul. This is just enough information to get my brain going it's, to it's think about possibilities, <laughs> and I think it's it's a perfect okay. note. It's a tease. Well, it's it's what it's meant to be, right? A great tease. Yeah. Okay. Last thing in this trade is Colonel Nosferatu's underground soiree. Now, I don't think this is great in its own right. I mean, I don't think that. There's anything that spectacular happening in terms of storytelling, but I do think we're supposed to take this as the this and Theater Bazaar as this kind of um, what nether worlds between the goon and the words of misery. Right, right. This, this is where we're headed to. Right, these are like prologues, I think. Um, and by the way, this is your comic relief too. Exactly. Yeah, right. I give it to you all at the end. But this is a comic relief in pal I like that doesn't go to like too gross, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? That that actually has some smart jokes in it. I, I like this, but I just, you know, um, I don't think it's it's doing very much. I just like it because it's kind of like standard old school. Right. You know, Frankie stuff. showing the burlesque ladies how to actually do the, right. the hoochie hoochie, right? You know, that's, that's actually yeah. really funny. It's fun. Um, so we get the story of Roscoe's leg growing back, which I think is good, right? Okay, you guys alluded to that. I didn't get the. Uh, oh, so you ever I didn't get. This. I didn't get Colonel Lasseris. I got. Oh, I got Theater okay. Bazaar. Yeah, Theater Bazaar. I think is much much better. They both essentially start the same way, though. 
Frankie, Goon, and Roscoe in a car, part of the caravan of the carnival, and getting detoured and having a little adventure. Okay. So that, that makes sense for like these single-issue kind of right. things then, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, it's like so many old, you know, um, Twilight Zone episodes or something. Mm-hmm. Someone takes the wrong turn. And right, and you wind up in an odd place and you figure right. things out and work yeah. through it. Okay. Um, but yeah, so basically you get you get kind of their new relationship, you know. Um, I don't know if it's in this one or Theater Bazaar, but you get this kind of sense. I think it's Theater Bazaar that the Goon and Roscoe are kind of developing this relationship. And Frankie might be even a little There's jealous of There's a little bit of that. Yeah, you see that. There is definitely rivalry in the... And that's all I think fun. Because Goon sets and the other one, Goon sets up Roscoe to smack uh, Frankie. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking of. Um, you get a little bit of carnival life, you know, and then it kind of spirals off into the supernatural thing, which is well. Before even that happens, right? They notice that everyone is coming from the town. He even says at one point, "These locals seem a little bit sickly to you." Yeah, they ain't spending no money. They're all like zombies. They're all like yeah. sort of wiped out. So it's like this town that they've set up their carnival by. It's not the right place to be. I love stories like that, though. Yeah, right. Standalone, simple, dark carnival kind of idea. Dark carnival. Good stuff. Uh, and I think this is all built up very nicely. I just, like a couple other things we talked about recently, I, I don't think it goes anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, it just kind of fades. Like the boxing story we talked about like a couple weeks ago, like, you know, real great buildup. It just doesn't kind of end, you know. I feel like that with this, you know, where I, I think Theater Bazaar does end well and is mm-hmm. a beautiful... Um, arc in its own right. So basically, our our um, villain here is an old Confederate um, plantation. Yeah, like uh, and society, mm. but they're actually vampires. Yes, but not in the glittery way that vampires have been portrayed no. previously in this book. Okay. They're like more like Nosferatu vampires. But there uh-huh. is, yeah, the, the fa- like he, he's um, he has that oh, kind wow. of like yeah, like, very much so. like skeletal kind of Nosferatu look. Nosferatu yeah. is extraordinary. Nosferatu is frightening. It's amazing. That is frightening. Um, and they want the boy, right? They want Roscoe. Yeah, they want an innocent to right. sacrifice. Little do they know he's not so innocent. They're, they're underestimating him. And it ends up that Roscoe has turned into the wolf and, okay. you know, terrorized them yeah. all. I love it, he's literally like chased them up a tree. Yeah, right? In this case, it's cool. a column, right? Like that's, yeah. they're so afraid of a little werewolf. So I think... So I'm going to make a big uh, point about Powell's career next week, where in the latter few years, things have been incredibly politicized, right? I, okay. I think, I mean, this is a little bit of a tease, but I think Hillbilly is a giant political allegory. I'll talk more about it, okay. you know, soon. This is, I think, has a taste of that. You know, why is it Confederate? Why does he call him, you know, a, a racist... Uh, um, Uh, you know, oh, here it is. Um, Racist, undead, fuck, or whatever it is. It's because, you know, the times are kind of commanding it, and I think that Powell is is commenting more and more on on our real world. He seems more comfortable to express that as you go through, even, you know, later in The Goon. Yeah, no, I think so. Earlier, Earlier it kind of stood outside the world in its own universe. Yeah. Now he's kind of connecting more. So, yeah, this is just to say that I, I think this is part of a larger trend mm-hmm. okay. um, that's, that's interesting. I like that. You think it's a bad know? thing? Because uh, sometimes, like, no. you just want the comic to exist on its own and not... To be the comic, right. Just be what it is, you know? So... It's kind of escape. You, you want know? Conan. You want yeah, Prince Valiant, right? You don't want, like, big, right, talk and talk. Trump busting in. <laughs> but he does both. He does. I mean, he does it well. If you maintain that world right, if it's not just a vehicle to... I mean, you guys read Isolation, 
right? Beautiful. Right? Well, we can't discuss that yet. No, no, we're not. But, but I mean, that's that's an example. Right, he that. tells it right. Like, like that, that is clearly symbolically wagging a finger at certain aspects of our culture. Well, is it political or is it more universal? Oh, that's specifically uh, about, the. I mean, the Bible, like, you know, it, it's very, very pointed, I think. It's you haven't read it yet? Done. No. I, oh, you haven't oh, read it. Right, no, so no, read no, it no, and no, then no. you'll, we'll, we'll okay. talk about it when it's right time. But I'm just saying, I, like, we're, we're, it's easy to dismiss this as kind of maybe moralizing. I think Powell does it consistently well. You know, um, he doesn't sacrifice the integrity of the story or characters in order to get these messages out. Right. In fact, they go hand in hand very nicely. And I think they're more interesting than, you know, a, a vampire, you know, getting hit by a flaming car or whatever, flaming mm-hmm. vampire, you know. Um, I, I just, I think it's a beautiful evolution. Flaming vampire tied to the hood of the exactly. car. Right. Exactly. Right. Cruelty. Cruelty. <laughs> Make him suffer. <laughs> so speaking of vampires, I love the goon's little speech. Uh, you vampires yes. got the biggest mouths of the bunch. Play acting like being a monster and some, some great thing and how powerful you are. The more somebody has to talk about how bad they are, the more of a coward they are. There's commentary on life, right? Now, even though this is not a glitter vampire that we've seen in the past, he's still keeping that, you know, same consistent, like, I'm dismissing you vampires. I love that. I love the consistency of it all. That even a a young werewolf can chase away a pack of vampires. (laughs) Right. Right? By the way, this in the sketchbook, this validates, and I think I said this Literally, in pod, podcast number one, that I suspected that that Powell was a fan of professional wrestling. Here we have a, an homage to Dusty Rhodes, who he lost a few years ago. Uh, he passed away, and and this imagery of uh, Dusty Rhodes rides a silver saddle on a lightning bolt. <laughs> may, may he always may, right, fantastic. I, and I too followed the career of Dusty Rhodes. He's a you know huge figure in, in professional wrestling, big the, figure. The in American dream, Dusty the American Rhodes, dream, right? Dusty I Rhodes. That. Right. Oh yeah, it's written right here. Um, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So I had a little suspicion and maybe confirm, maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. Now, this sketchbook stuff is wonderful. I always love sketchbooks. What do you make of the uh, spider goon with web coming out of the butt, right? That's (laughs) just playful nonsense. Strangely entertaining, that that one. That's like, hmm. It's all fun. Um, But I I love particularly like when they show like how things evolve, you know? So I just love those little explanations. Like he says here, doodle from a camping trip, you know, that you, you... Sometimes he's just yeah. working out something because he wants mm-hmm. to work it out. Or, you know, when he does, like, I remember back um, when he was talking about the evolution of uh, I'm the, the one priest again, Claws. Long, oh, fingers, long fingers, fingers, right? Yeah. And how he worked his face a couple different ways because yeah. he wanted to get it just yeah. right. You get the sense of it. It's, he take, puts a lot of time into perspective and the development of what the character's going to look like. And that's what gives them that sense of, I exist. Yeah. Well, look at the last page. The words of misery, you know, kind of logo thing. Mm -hmm. Like, you you can see it evolving, you know, and when you look at, like, what it finally turned out, you go like, oh, yeah, no, that was was the right kind of, like, mode of thinking to go through. It looks a lot like Goonies, doesn't it? It does. Do you think Goonies is a similar kind of thing? I don't know. I haven't seen Goonies in a long time. So, all right. Ultimately, are we satisfied? Are we satisfied by by what the goon has uh, has accomplished here? Considering that this, like I think George said earlier, that the goon in this state is over. I, right, the lonely it, street arc of goon's life is done now. It's I think moved it's, on. I right? think it's tremendous. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's done very well. What do you got about sixty issues out of this? Yeah, uh, yeah, roughly. It's like fifty. Well, fifty-two. Well, 
So, uh, but here's the thing: three or four. Right, the um, Joe's point is like seven, eight, nine years. Oh, more than that. Yeah. Right. I mean, it started. Oh, right, because he was getting infrequent. Sometimes he wasn't publishing it once a month. It was every other month or every yeah. Month. It's about it's more like 14, 15 years. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. The um, I don't know if Colonel uh, Nosferatu is, but uh, Theater Bazaar is numbered as whatever uh, edition, like, like 55, 55 or fifty-four, oh, like or whatever. It is. Yeah. So. That is an official goon. I, I guess Nosferatu is too. I think that was a free thing that was put out. But uh, yeah, it was on free comic book day. They are canon, you know, of right. goon. Yeah. Um, I don't um, know if Words of Misery will continue that or become its own thing, but um, I, I mean, I'm I'm thrilled with what we have here. I mean, you know, I'll talk more about it in my kind of view of comics in general next time. But um, I mean, I, I, when we started this and, you know, particularly Paul wasn't really too hip to the goon. And I think George only read the beginning of it. Right. Right. right so at that point, I mean, I, I was hyperbolic and effusive. Do you, as that, a collection, a plus, a plus. Absolutely. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't read comics. I, right, you know, no. I enjoy but you read these. I, I was propelled from one issue to the next. I want to see what happened next, you know, so. And time and time again, you found meeting you were able to connect this comic back to things that you like. Absolutely, yeah. You know, that entertain you. It's art. Yeah. I mean... With a capital A. I mean, not just art. Oh, it's art. Oh, there you no, go. It's it's I totally agree. I totally agree. Yeah. You know, for me, it has to... It has to stand alone as an episode and have an arc and tell a story, but it has to contribute to the larger, you know, uh, continuity of the whole thing. I think it, it hits everything in spades. That what what the... You know, even though we had a few minor criticisms about, you know, mm -hmm. how certain things were handled, it, it really has a satisfying ending to me in terms of theme. And I guess for me, theme is more important than anything when you're talking about a full arc of a series. I, I think of I think of comics more like I think of like television shows than I do like a movie or, you know, mm -hmm. a visual right. art piece or something like that. Because they come in installments. Right. And, you know, at the end of, you know, The Sopranos, you know, mm -hmm. I want to see that. Those characters have moved from X to Y and that the themes have been handled in that movement and the the series has something to say. Right. I feel completely satisfied that the goon has, has done all of that. And I would actually add to that one of a piece that I find very satisfying is he pushed a lot of boundaries of what a comic book can be while doing it. Absolutely. Formally, I, I think like, you know, just the um, what can be expressed in terms of how things look on the page in terms of manipulating tone, you know, those formal aspects, I think, are right. constantly boundary pushing. I don't, I don't read a lot of contemporary comics. Most of the comics I'm reading are, you know, from the 90s or before. But, you know, I don't think I've seen much of this formal daring in other comics. But you, you know? could see how the next generation of comic artists and writers would base their work on something like this and yeah. want to, you know, take... Uh, elements of this to incorporate into their own work and I think we saw that in all that uh, in, in the, the first what seven books eight books artists were writing the, the prologue and you know sort of loving yeah. this guy right? yeah. this is why we love Powell this is what he did for me oh yeah I, I think he's incredibly influential yeah. I mean that's the impression I'm getting out there I mean he starts he seems to be starting his own little like empire of of different comics and like you know Spook House he did the first couple and then he's kind of having other people come in and anthologize. He seems to be very much creating a bench of Community, accolades. Right. Let's, let's do yeah. this thing. Yeah. Which is great. All right. Very good. So next week is going to be our final. Well, I don't know if it's our final, but it'll be our kind of wrap up and we might return to Powell and other stuff later. Who knows? But um, just for the sake of anybody following along, 
we are going to be looking at, there's a couple miscellaneous goon things that we haven't talked about. Um, the sodomy baby ones, goon noir we're going to look at, and a couple other standalones. Then we're also go not going to look at it in much depth, but we're going to do all other PAL projects. Like we're going to look at uh, Billy the Kid, Big Man Plans, uh, Hillbilly, Spook House, and a couple other standalone shorts like Isolation. Isolation, yeah. um, And we're also going to do some, uh, some big context and rankings and... Wrap it all up. A lot of good stuff. We're going to beat, beat our chest and hoot and holler. <laughs> I, I have a big, long agenda. So, uh, all right. I'm looking forward to that. We're good? Excellent. All right. All right. See you next time.